So there is a sitcom, actually, on ABC that I'm guessing some of you have seen, Modern Family. How many of you have seen at least one episode of that? Yeah, it's been on like 14 years probably, right? It's one of those ubiquitous sitcoms that's kind of always on somewhere. It's not my favorite show, but I enjoy it. I know who all the characters are. I've seen enough of it. So I stopped the other night when I was flipping through the channels. There was a rerun on that I had never seen before. And I was glad I stopped because it turns out there was one short little scene in that episode that was this perfect little nugget describing how our culture sees religion and spirituality today. You see, in this show, as some of you know, there is a young couple, Haley and Dylan. And maybe you're not cut up, sorry for the spoilers, but they have kids now. They have newborn, they have newborn twins. And in this big, complicated family that they are a part of, their step-grandmother, so the woman married to Haley's grandfather, is named Gloria. She's Colombian. She is a practicing Catholic. And early in this episode, Gloria finds out that Haley and Dylan are not planning to have their twins baptized. Ah. Well, she, Gloria, freaks out. And not only does she freak out, she decides she needs to do something about this, right? So she hatches a plan. She offers very sweetly to babysit the twins for an afternoon so that Haley and Dylan can have a much-needed date day, you know, out to themselves. And then she invites a priest over, hoping to baptize the babies in secret. Now, of course, this is a sitcom, right? So Gloria's whole plan goes spectacularly awry. First, her husband comes home, and then Haley and Dylan themselves on the left come home. They discover her before the priest can do what he's there to do. And then they have this jam-packed conversation about the meaning of this ritual of baptism, why it matters so much to Gloria, what the different people in their family believe about God and heaven and hell. And at first, Haley starts to give in to the idea. You know, she says, I don't know if I believe it, but what, what does it hurt, right? It's just a little water on their foreheads. But just as the priest is about to finally go through with it, she says, wait, I'm just not sure. Haley turns to her grandpa and asks him, what do you think we should do? He says, you know, this is your decision, but I do believe that there is a higher power. I just don't know if we need all the buildings and the robes and everything to experience it. He says, I know I felt it in my life. I felt it when my kids were born. I felt it when I got married. I feel it when I hear the crack of a baseball against a bat. I feel it when I think about how Tom Waits' voice can somehow be ugly and beautiful at the same time. And Haley says, yeah. You know, last year, Dylan and I went to Yosemite. And we woke up early one morning. Just us and the gorgeous mountains, and these huge trees. There was a family of deer. It was so beautiful. 
And it did make me feel like I was connected to something bigger than myself. She turns back towards her little babies. And she says, you know, maybe one day we'll get them baptized in a church. But for now, I think I'd like to take them up to Yosemite this weekend and look up at the sky and say thank you. Modern family, jeez. Her grandpa says, I think that's a wonderful idea, Haley. And Gloria says, yeah, maybe you can roast some marshmallows while you're there so they get used to being around fire. why they have all the Emmys, right? (laughs) The way we understand religion is changing. That little clip was the perfect encapsulation of that, right? It showed something that we might call the old way and the new way, right? The old way, which is rich with tradition, which is rooted in rituals and practices and words that have been spoken for hundreds and hundreds of years, And this new way, which is much more about what's happening here and now, our experience in the present moment, our immediate felt sense of connection to each other, connection to something greater. Now, that's a false binary, of course. False binary, meaning it's not as simple as either or. There are plenty of people who practice the old way the old rituals and feel in them that immediate sense of connection to something greater and there are plenty of people who think that they're feeling something new and fresh in the moment but of course they are finding that awe and wonder in the same experiences that generations have found them in for centuries Experiences like birth and death and sunsets and fresh snows that are as old as the earth itself. We have this idea about the new way and the old way, but I think it's really all one way. It's however we find that sense of connection and deeper meaning in our lives. That is what we are talking about in our new message series for this year, this new decade, Daily Bread. Reverend Ken and I, two of our lay preachers, Loy and Josie, are going to dig deeper into this craving that we all have for meaning, for purpose, and vibrancy in our day-to-day humdrum mundane, ordinary lives. And we're going to explore how we might find that sense of meaning and purpose, not just in those glorious mountaintop kinds of moments, but maybe on some kind of semi-regular basis, right? The good news is the old ancient traditions, they all tell us each in their own way that it is possible to do this to stay connected to that sense of meaning in our daily lives. In fact, one of those old teachings is where the title for this series comes from, right? That line in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Now we know because of the way bread is used in other parts of the Christian scripture 
that prayer isn't literally asking for a loaf of bread, right, to drop from the sky each day. So if that is a possibility, I would like a brioche, please. No, bread is about literal sustenance. But bread also represents all of what sustains us. Bread represents all that gives us life. It's a prayer for us to find the things that keep us going, the things that feed us literally and figuratively. Receiving our daily bread and asking for it, that means asking to receive enough for sustenance and satisfaction in this life. Not all at once, not in these huge portions for us to keep and hoard, but enough for today and then for the next day. It's a prayer for the source of regular sustenance, of regular meaning for our lives. A prayer that we will remember that we are worthy of that gift. I read a lot of articles from this guy's blog right here. The guy on the top, his name is Kerry Newhoff. He is a pastor in Canada. And he and I don't have exactly the same faith perspective. But he has gotten popular because he has a really uncanny, skilled ability to look at what's happening in our broader culture and then analyze what it will mean for churches and religious communities and spiritual communities. And at the end of this decade, so like a week ago, he wrote this kind of roundup article called 10 Ways the World Dramatically Changed in the 2010s. There's some stuff that you would expect. One of them is we seem to be angrier and more polarized. One of them is people no longer go to work. Work comes to them. Maybe some of us can relate, right? Remote work, work from home, working on our devices. But it was the second item on his list that really got my attention. It said, at the end of this decade, content is everywhere, but meaning isn't. When the decade began, we were only a couple years, if you can remember back, right, into carrying smartphones around. There, there is one. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. I'll give you your $10 later. Right. So when the when the decade began, we didn't quite have this experience that we just had, right, that many of us have today, this constant barrage of noise, of notifications, right, of things to read and watch and listen to that are everywhere. Information, opinion, entertainment far beyond what we could ever actually consume. We will never get to the end of Netflix as hard as you try. It's just not possible. What we don't have is an abundance of meaning. How do we sift through all of this? Who do we trust anymore to help us decide what matters most? From where do we take our cue about what to pay attention to? What helps us make sense of this world? Because for good and for ill, the old standard standby arbiters of meaning in this world are breaking down. 
right? It's been a long time since we all took our news from a beloved Walter Cronkite in the evenings. Many of us no longer trust our government to keep us safe or to have our best interests at heart even. Just this week, the United Methodists announced that they are splitting because they can't agree on the church's teaching over LGBTQ rights. And of course, we remember young Haley from our story who didn't need her priest's help to figure out how to bless her babies. I was at a professional conference last year where one of the attendees brought up her concern about this breakdown this breakdown in the old sources of authority. She was talking about the popularity of these things. On the next slide here. No, this is not a picture from inside my house. <laughs> Some of you know I myself have collected crystals and stones, right? Crystals, tarot cards, astrology, the Enneagram. Some of you know what these things are, right? These are all ways things that are getting popular, but ways that she felt that we are leading people astray from the truth and from what matters. To her, these things were suspicious and they were different. They were faddish. She has a right to think that. And in this conversation I had with her, I don't think I changed her mind. But I just had to share with her that I couldn't see it more differently. I said, actually, nothing gives me more hope for the future of faith and spirituality than the fact that people are seeking out new ways to make meaning in their lives. Even with all of the ways that traditional religion has hurt people and abused people and failed us, we still crave something outside ourselves to help us make sense of our worries and our despair. We still want to feel like some higher power is on our side while we dream and hope and plan for the future. The old ways of traditional religion may be changing, but I think it's incredible that this yearning in our hearts to be part of something bigger, to be connected to something mysterious that we don't fully understand, I think it's amazing that that never dies. It just finds a new way to live. I think we're remarkable beings in that way. Our souls seem to have this inborn, healthy hunger for that feeling that our lives matter beyond just what we can see. And when the old fields of meaning dry up and all the crops die out, we just find new ways to satisfy our hunger and stay alive. We all have a spiritual appetite of some kind. And so I hope that today and in these next two months during this message series, I hope you'll take some time to think about your own spiritual appetite. Your own personal, honest, healthy hunger for a life of meaning and purpose. It's not about somebody else's standard. It's about your appetite for that daily bread of life. 
Are you well fed? Most days, are you hungry or are you full? We spend so much time on these debates about what religion is the true one or whether the old ways or the new ways are the right ones. But I have to tell you, I am much more interested in whether whatever it is you practice and believe is sustaining your life. Whatever you practice, is it helping you taste and enjoy and receive the gift you got when you woke up today? And even more than that, because none of us lives on our own tiny private island, I think we also have to ask, are our practices sustaining our life, our collective life? Do our beliefs and our spiritual practices make us more kind? Do they help us treat one another well? What are the fruits of what we believe and what we practice? Especially in a week like this one. At the beginning of a new decade when our planet is on fire and our leaders only threaten to add to the flames. I don't think we can look at our private spiritual lives apart from the effect that each one of us has on our collective life. So are our beliefs and practices life-giving? Are they sustaining our life? I know that some of us here today have had these kinds of moments in our lives when we realize we are not well-fed, that we are hungry for a fuller and richer experience of our day-to-day life. And if you have been there, You know that as fulfilling, as important as that is, it's not all brioches from heaven. (laughs) The Buddhist teacher, Ethan Nickturn, he reminds us about this. I saw this quote recently. He's talking about meditation, right? But this is about meditation, spiritual practice, spiritual growth, checking in with yourself. He's saying it's not about constant peace, right? It's not about turning your mind into a dead and lifeless place where nothing interesting ever happens. It's not about getting rid of what's inside you. When we really open up to our spiritual lives, we will find lots of interesting, often scary thoughts and emotions that come and go. But tending to our spiritual lives with a regular practice It helps us create a safe place inside ourselves and greater than ourselves somehow for all that we will discover about our hearts. There is one thing I can't do for you as a pastor. I can do a lot of things. I can inspire, hopefully, and enlighten you from up here. I can challenge you. I can open you up to new insights, hopefully, in conversation. I can even pray for you. But I cannot grow spiritually for you. So if there were ever a time that you all decided to pick up that resource sheet from spiritual development that's over there, 
Let this be it. Check in with your own life. See if you are satisfied. And if you are hungry, they've got recipes. A whole bunch that you can try. In this new year, may you find your source of deep meaning. May you remember that you can come back to it day after day after day. And may it give you and us the kind of life that makes us want to go out to the mountains and look up at the sky and say thank you. Amen. And may you live in blessing. I invite you to pray with me. God of our hearts, giver of this life, mysterious, present, always, even when we don't know and can't feel it. May we trust when we wake up each morning, when we open our eyes and take our first breath of the day, our first conscious breath of the day. May we notice. May we find a way, whether it's first thing, whether it's in the car, whether it's at our desks, washing dishes. May we find a way to pause and notice that we are here. And remember that that is a gift. And then may we live from the place of whatever emerges next for each of us these prayers I've spoken and for the prayers each one of these people carries on their hearts today, we say amen.